Welcome to Knowledge on the Go, where we explore the leading practices that have emerged in Vizient's performance improvement programs. I'm Marilyn Sherrill, Senior Performance Improvement Director at Vizient and your program host. In this podcast, we'll discuss the emerging practices related to reducing readmissions. Readmissions cost CMS $15,500 per readmission and $26 billion each year. Medicaid and private payers add an additional $51 billion. Reducing preventable hospital readmissions is a national priority for payers, providers, and policymakers seeking to improve health care and lower costs. More important than costs are the goals of providing quality care to patients who present with health care needs, helping them heal, and returning them safely to their home and loved ones. Joining me today to share their expertise are three Vizient subject matter experts, Todd Baker, Don Sagliani, and Christine Pilly. Welcome, and thank you all for joining us today. Thank you, Marilyn. Great to be here. Great to be here, Marilyn. We have a lot to talk about. Todd, let's start with you. How are hospitals managing the financial challenges, and are they truly taking risks for readmissions? It's an interesting time in healthcare in that readmissions have been caught in this middle place with the artifact of our payment systems, meaning the government payers would pay for the inpatient care and then pay separately for the ambulatory care. And there was this construct where organizations would get paid separately so that when they were done on the inpatient side, they quote unquote throw it over the fence. And then the ambulatory, the physician practices or the post-acute facilities were on their own to manage the patient. And there was very little continuity. CMS has spent years trying to realign a lot of those incentives, and there's still a long way to go. Certainly, private payers are much more focused in terms of aligning incentives for that patient continuum to ensure that their providers are being paid to treat the patient, not just the episode. A lot more incentives coming in that regard. We see a lot of growth and increases in denials among private payers. CMS has rolled out their penalties associated with readmission reduction, as well as other tactics that they're using to create financial incentives to improve readmissions. Marilyn, the top five reasons that we see for readmissions are around pharmaceutical issues, changing conditions of the patient, always counting in social determinants of health, misinterpretation of discharge instructions from the previous admission, and inadequate transitions of care. Christine, tell me some of the things hospitals are doing while the patients are in the hospital to reduce readmissions, to develop better processes and the ability to recognize those patients that are higher risk. A couple of the strategies that we see are identification of patients at risk. There are several tools that hospitals utilize to figure out whether the patient is at risk. The second being there's more questioning around social determinants of health. We found in our practice that these can lead to an increase in readmission rates in the hospital. Sounds very complicated. Christine, why are patients being readmitted to hospitals? What are you seeing? One of the main reasons we see is around medications, not getting their medications, not understanding their medications, and not knowing what their medications are. Oftentimes, what we see when a patient comes through the emergency room department, they don't have any idea what medications they're on. That's why we recommend that a medication reconciliation be done on admission into the hospital, but also discharge to make sure they're on the proper medications. The other things that we see around readmissions coming in through the ED are the patients that were previously admitted and discharged and never getting their medications for whatever reason. It could be they don't have the funds to get them, they don't have transportation to the pharmacy, they don't understand their importance. 
One of the programs that we recommend for our member hospitals is setting up a meds to beds program. What that is, is the medications delivered to the patients prior to their discharge. It gives an additional opportunity for good discharge teaching around the medications, and it ensures the patients are actually leaving the hospital with those medications. Meds to beds can also be done just for your general ED population or hospital population that isn't for readmissions also. But we found that it's a real key driver in readmissions. You talked a lot about medications and medication reconciliation. I'm sure that's not the only top reason for hospital readmissions. What are some of the other things? Some of the other reasons that we see are with your chronic conditions, such as heart failure or COPD, is the patients are not followed appropriately on the ambulatory side. So what we recommend for our hospitals is that they set up a nurse navigation program. When patients are admitted for certain disease cohorts, such as heart failure and COPD, they're assigned a nurse to their care that's not taking care of them at the bedside, but actually helping them through the disease process process, navigating the system on the inpatient as well as the ambulatory side, helping them with extensive education around their disease process. One of the other keys when these patients are discharging from the hospital is that they're seen in a short time frame. We usually recommend seven days. Some of the patients, though, really benefit from a shorter visit time, maybe in 48 hours. And these nurse navigators can also facilitate that happening for the patients. So this work doesn't stop at the door of the hospitals, but a different perspective begins. And you touched a little bit on the ambulatory piece. The hospitalization is a moment in time. Dawn, what happens next? And what do organizations need to be doing? Are there key elements to consider during the critical time of transition that can reduce a patient's risk of readmission? The initial step is to identify which patients need transitional care services. How are you risk stratifying patients, whether it be high utilizers, high risk conditions, patients with multiple comorbidities and socioeconomic factors that we know are very large drivers of patients' readmissions? Are you using a tool or an algorithm to determine if someone is at moderate risk or high risk for readmission and which interventions will fall into those categories? If you're developing a brand new program, you may want to start with a specific population that is supported through data analysis. Maybe you have a high readmission rate for heart failure patients or sepsis patients or a large population needing behavioral health services. Then looking and considering the unique assessments and interventions that will be most impactful for your specific population and the timing of those. So whether you're looking at a care management team, community health workers, behavioral health specialists, again, focus specific on your population and how do you integrate that into your system. The timing of outreach is really critical. Data supports that reaching out to your patients within 24 to 48 hours post-discharge is key to reduce the risk of readmission, to check to see how they're doing, do they have any questions, and the ability to escalate any barriers that you're finding. If you have the opportunity to get into the patient's home, it provides critical insight to the challenges that your patient's facing. But if you're only outreaching via phone, having really structured and robust assessments, making sure that you're asking open-ended questions so you're having more of a conversation with the patient rather than yes, no questions and often stopping that kind of conversation. 
Reviewing medications is very important once that patient's transitioned out of the hospital environment. Are they understanding their medicines? Do they have four different blood pressure medications in their cabinet? Are they able to get their medications effectively and timely? And then how are we helping them coordinate the utilization of their medications? Are we giving them fridge lists or calendar reminders, other tools to help our patients be successful in the community? And then social determinants of health, homelessness, transportation, financial issues are impacting readmission rates significantly. Are we asking those key questions within our assessments. Are we providing our patients with the right and the best quality education? What tools are we using? Are we teaching in a way that the patient understands? In my experience in my career, it is one of the most important tools I ever put in my toolkit to truly understand what my patient understands and where I need to start teaching to help support them to be successful hardwiring the use of TeachBack into transitional care programs in healthcare can really make a significant difference in the success of our patients. And then lastly, how robustly are we interacting with patients, meeting them where they are, connecting them to community resources, whether it be food banks or even to their primary care. Todd, did you have something you wanted to add to what Dawn just shared? What I would like to stress on, and Don noted risk scoring, you know, one of the challenges we see in some of our customers around the country is identifying who those high-risk patients are. Hospitals may be using a LACE Plus. They might be using an Epic or a Cerner tool to score that risk. And what a lot of times they'll find is there's very little differentiation between all the patients are maxed out on LACE Plus. One of the things we're seeing more and more is that hospitals are building their own hybrid where they're adding one or two measures to a LACE Plus or an EPIC scoring tool to create more differentiation. When you look at that risk pyramid, you're able to identify that 5% of very high-risk patients, which will allow you to better develop that transitional care plan that Don's referring to. We see a lot of work in creating those hybrid risk scoring solutions. Christine mentioned nurse navigators. Don, can you tell us a little bit more about that? Nurse navigators is just one term in the transition of care realm. You might hear nurse navigators, community health workers, transition guide nurses. There's a lot of different names for similar roles or programs used to describe that transitional care role. All of them really focus on meeting the patient where they are, education, medication assistance and education, connecting to resources, establishing a relationship with primary care if they don't have an existing relationship. There's a variety of different roles within that, whether licensed or non-licensed personnel can assist in making that happen. You can even consider this particular role post-discharge from the hospital, but also post-discharge from a SNF going home and having that connection even when a patient is leaving a different level of care. That's interesting. Let's switch gears and talk about some of those barriers that folks are having when it comes to getting the appropriate care or leading to those readmission events. What benefit do you see in actually assessing the home environment? That's a key part of understanding the true challenges that your patients are facing. When we're completing assessments or having conversations with our patients, they may not want to share that information. They may view that as very private or they may be embarrassed or feel as though the state will become involved or there are situations where they just don't feel comfortable sharing that information when you're having this brief interaction with hospital staff. So there's always a trust issue there. When I worked in the community, lots of interesting opportunities when going into the home and being able to see the full challenges that our patients face, whether it be the electricity 
electricity is off or the stove's not working or there's broken stairs in the home, being able to assist our patients on a much deeper level, understanding the challenges that they're facing every day. Question for all three of you, what other barriers to success in reducing readmissions have you seen in your work? I have a couple here. The first is certainly every hospital in the country is dealing with financial challenges and staffing challenges. Supporting investment in reducing readmissions can be a challenge because there are no dollars to support the FTEs. And what we find more and more is when you look at the actual analytics, you can find ample dollars associated with cost reductions, associated with denial reductions, many cases across health systems in the multi-millions of dollars that would support investment in better strategies and tactics around readmission reduction. That's one challenge we see pretty universally. Chris referenced clinical navigation. Do you have the dollars to invest in navigators? Oftentimes we find when organizations work through that pro forma analysis, they'll find there's plenty of money out there to support that if they were able to achieve benchmark with their actual readmission performance. I agree, Todd. Certainly staffing and funding when you're thinking about transitional care programs is always a concern and thinking about newer growing models. This can be impacted by your organization's reimbursement model with Medicare and commercial payers, which vary by state. We were talking earlier about community health workers and in about 15 states, Medicaid providers will provide some reimbursement for CHW programs, while other states have some payers who reimburse or hire CHWs directly. In the latter, you would want to have good relationship with your payers to better understand and align with those services provided. When we talk about being able to fund all of these programs and having the appropriate staffing, one of the easiest things that hospitals can do for readmissions is just identifying that those patients are actually readmitters when they come in. Oftentimes, it's not clear to the providers in the ED that those patients were admitted two weeks ago. So having some kind of a flag in their electronic medical record to identify that those patients are in fact readmitting, then they can bring the case managers into the loop and see what they can do to maybe not even make an admission occur at that time. That's interesting. Another area to consider is communication of information across the continuum. There's still a lot of organizations that don't have direct access or shared medical records across their systems or to the primary care physicians. So looking at streamlined, efficient ways to communicate information easily and accurately throughout that continuum of care is important. Another big challenge, if you look at the whole readmission process, inpatient to outpatient, you're talking about an incredibly complex system with millions of moving parts. One of the big challenges is a health system has to understand all of those moving parts and then deploy resources at the right time, the right place to actually manage the patient's acute care and then also develop a successful post-acute plan and post-acute care. Organizations are using the literature, using work that companies like Vizient and others have done to identify what, in fact, are the best practices that we see around the country at health systems that are really achieving great success in readmission reduction and essentially memorializing that in some form of a playbook. Every system is different. You have different resources. Some of your markets may have a really favorable payer dynamic and the others may have just an enormous social determinants impact. There's a lot of variability in what that playbook looks like, but it has to be tailored to that health system and even to that hospital. The point is achieving some level of consensus at the hospital as to what we're going to do around readmissions. How are we going to manage it? What resources are we going to deploy on admission through their stay, on discharge, into the post-acute environment, through that patient's continuum of care, into the post-acute? 
How do we actually do this? And then manage against that. Those are some of the things that we see hospitals really starting to dig into and focus around building that playbook. That's great. There are so many moving parts and it's different in all organizations. And some of that just has to do with their demographics, their culture, and many other things. What's the one thing you recommend organizations do to bring about a more robust readmission reduction program? Dawn, do you have any suggestions? Understand your patient population, review your data closely, and then establish a very strategic, driven, protocolized program to meet the needs of your specific population when looking at transitions of care. There's not one answer for every organization, and you really need to be patient-centered and patient-driven. That's great. Our thanks to Todd, Dawn, and Christine, and thanks to you for listening. Please join us for more Knowledge on the Go. Subscribe today, like us, and send us your comments at picollaboratives at visientinc.com. From Visient's Performance Improvement Program team, I'm Marilyn Sherrill. <laughs>